Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Lowdown. Today I am joined by Matt Slater of The Athletic to discuss the current and ongoing fluid situation at Chelsea Football Club. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Matt, as we record today, March the 11th, the day before March 10th, UK government effectively sanctioned Roman Abramovich thereby freezing Chelsea Foot Football Club as a commercial asset. Can you bring us up to speed regarding any latest developments today? Well, um, yeah, good question. So there was an awful lot happened yesterday. I mean, it was, it was, you know, whilst it's one of those sort of things that when it happens, it's massive. It's a real genuine wow moment. That's certainly how it was um, it felt to most of the football industry. But then you sort of kind of process it. You start to think, well, look, you know, God, it was coming, right? Of course it was coming. He thought it was coming, which is why, you know, he put them up for sale a week before. Um, not a huge amount has happened today. So we're talking on Friday today. Lots happened yesterday. There was an awful lot of news coming out, various statements coming out, club, league, uh, government. Um, we got news about sponsors, of course, you know, three saying they were going to sever ties. Um, they played a game. You know, huge amounts happened on Thursday. It really was a momentous day. Not, 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 you know, nothing like that today. I think there's an awful lot of, right, what does it all mean? So the main things we, we learned yesterday were, okay, he's being sanctioned, right? Now, we've been talking about that and the possible implications of that for a club for a while. So then we sort of learned more about the general license. So the exemptions, really, from being sanctioned. So if you're sanctioned, your assets are frozen, right? That should really mean the end of a, of a, of a football club that's a trading entity that has bills to pay and f- fixtures to fulfill and all those sort of things, you know, money constantly coming in and out. How could a, how could a frozen asset uh, function? Now, they've got a general license, which is basically a, a set of criteria, which are exemptions from that. Yes, you can pay your players, you can pay your staff, you can, you can pay bills. Yeah, um, you can fulfill fixtures. We'll have season ticket holders there. You can't sell match day tickets. You can't sell merchandise. You can sell some food. So we got a list of rules about how um, the government sort of carved out a kind of way that this frozen asset can carry on because it, it acknowledges it's not a normal company. It's a cultural asset. It's something we care about. It's not. It's not a house, a warehouse full of stuff. You know, this is a living, breathing cultural asset and they also i think acknowledge the fact that there could be contagion there could be knock-on effects to the rest of the industry if you take out a big club and you know there'd be all kinds of competitive integrity issues contracts etc etc so so you know clearly chelsea's different not only has football never been here before but the government's never really been here before in terms of sanctioning this kind of company so so that was very much thursday uh we got to the end of Thursday with, okay, some big questions around, right, how about the sale? We've worked out how this asset, this company, this club is, is going to function for the next few months. But we all know, and everybody agrees, the only real solution is the club changes hands really quickly. So he'd already started a sales process that's clearly got to be paused and that was confirmed that is paused you know this this u.s bank called rain group basically running an auction well that can't happen now it certainly can't happen the way it was originally envisaged because there's a government 
control over this whole process. So, so that's got to change. And really what we've been, what people like me have been doing today on Friday is working out, okay, how is this new process going to run? The government have given us some big clues. It's going to need a second license. So a second set of rules, basically, a bespoke set of rules as to how this sale of a frozen asset is going to be allowed. Um, what you do with the proceeds, because the proceeds cannot go to Abramovich, or they can, they can sit in a frozen bank account, if you like. Um, you know, Does he have a say in this? What do you do about the debt that he's owed? How do you actually choose a winner? You know, are we going to carry, are we just going to let Rain Group carry on with their original auction? So, so these are the questions that we're all asking today. And we actually haven't got any answers today, to be honest, because I think it's really complicated. So, so that's, that's your update. I'm speaking to somebody at Chelsea today, a friend of mine who has studied with at a UCFB involved in the scouting department. The insider feel a lot of people haven't lost jobs, be them part-time or a few full-timers as of today. They feel interrogated. They feel villainized. And this is very unfair in the grand scheme of things, given their role and the involvement within this. But in terms of we look at Chelsea as a going concern, obviously they can't take any commercial income, no merchandising income, no match day income. So they're effectively operating off cash. Now, I heard you on a previous podcast today, Matt, speaking about how much or how little Chelsea would have had in cash reserves. But overall speaking, we can't be looking past more than a few weeks at this stage, can we? Well, that is the big question. It's one of the big answered questions. You're right, because the criteria, that, that general license is pretty tight. And it's and it's it's tight. Of course, it's awful in terms of you know human beings being affected and losing their jobs. But if you think about it, what would be the point of a sanctions list otherwise? You know, it... It is meant to be a frozen asset. And for the reasons I said in my first answer, the government is kind of acknowledging that it's not typical. So we have to sort of let it carry on functioning. But there are, it's not going to be the same. It just isn't. And I, like you, I have heard of, of people who are effectively being sort of let go, you know, kind of guys that have sort of part-time roles there, be it, be it a bit of media work or, or they were doing some contractive work or they had, they, had a, they, had, they, had, they had a project ongoing. All that's gone now, I'm, I'm afraid to say. The club is really almost like going on to really sort of shutting down to the putting on of matches, um, the first team squad, um, just kind of ticking over really. You know, they, I think the government is aware that if this carries on too long, and if they were to sort of let this club actually start to unravel, you're damaging it. And uh, what would be the point of that? That would be, you know, the best scenario being the, the sort of quick and orderly handover to somebody else. You, know, you don't want to damage this asset. So it's a real balancing act. And I think one of the things that Chelsea, the club, and fans and players and, 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 and other people as well have been asking the government is, might you tweak that first license, those first sort of criteria? And I, and I think they will actually. I think it was a bit of a, I wouldn't say a bodge job. They, they, they had to get something out in a hurry. You know, the sort of the sanctions process had its own momentum. The pictures from Ukraine were awful. Frankly, the, the optics around the auction weren't helping, I don't think. It, it was starting to look like, a bit of a free-for-all with 
all kinds of names being mentioned in the papers every day. And it wasn't very sort of sober and it didn't look like kind of this sort of reluctant handover, did it? It looked like a looked like transfer deadline day. I don't think that helped. So the government put them on the list, asset frozen, immediate recognition that, no, you can't freeze this asset. You've got to let it tick over. And I think the last 24 hours has been, OK, well, look, you can't really expect us not to sell some tickets you can't really expect us to get to games in Europe for 20 grand. That was a part of it. Um, you know, might we be able to use some of the money that is going into our bank account from the Premier League, UEFA, FA, existing sponsors? You know, does that really, if, if we can demonstrate to you that that's not flowing to Roman Abramovich, the sanctioned individual, and is really just being used to keep this club operational, could you exempt that? And I think I think there is some flex in the rules, and I suspect they will be they will be relaxed slightly. And I think certainly around match day tickets. So so that's going. I don't think it's going to help immediately, guys like your friends and the other some of the other stories I've heard. I think um, that, that that is the sort of collateral damage here for the time being. Look, the the the, the note of optimism I would give is I think everyone recognises that the sooner you can get this club to a new owner and things can get back to normal, whatever normal is. I'm not for so sure that normal is going to be a continuation of the Abramovich years, but certainly normal in terms of the Premier League club, then I'd like to think that a lot of those guys and girls can, can get their jobs back. But, but that's where we're at. Yeah, and as you said there, when you reflect upon it, it does look like this whole process was done in haste on Abramovich's side in terms of the auction process, in terms of some of the people that were putting their names forward, so on and so forth. And the huge caveat being I'm conducting this interview, but I'm also a Chelsea fan. And I'm looking at the club as a, not only a going concern now, but it's an existential risk to itself. We speak about this license. The latest news on the license today is that, of course, it runs out on May 31st. Now, if the club's not sold before that date, is there any guarantee as to its exact survival? Well, look, I think May 31st was, I think, was chosen for, for a few reasons. One, it's sort of, you know, it's kind of the end of the season. Uh, I'm not sure what Chelsea's financial year end is, but I suspect it probably is May 31st. It is for quite a few clubs. Um, I, I do wonder if they've had a conversation with the club and asked them about their cash position. Um, I've seen some reporting today around people uh, theorising based on the most recent set of accounts. But don't forget the most recent set of accounts are always looking backwards and it's just a snapshot of a company at year end last year. So basically last summer. Um, that does not tell you what's in the clearing account, the current account right now. And I am now speculating, but I would imagine that Abramovich, bear in mind that he saw this coming enough to one, initially try and pass it off to the Charitable Foundation, and then two, a few days later, say, no, I'm going to sell it, would also have been thinking, what's the cash position? Do we have enough to sort of get through to the end of the season? I, I suspect they do. You're right, though. What happens in the summer? Now, that's actually an existential question for football clubs up and down the land. You know, when the football stops... There is once you get outside the Premier League in particular, they all worry about what happens after after the football stops. And you know, the summer there's a reason why non-league contracts tend to run out at the end of the football season and don't start again until August. Um, 
You know, they, you know that's why clubs sell season tickets early to tide them over. It's why we start to stagger the TV payments. Football's a cash business. Cash flow is everything, right? I still think the plan, plan A, is sell the club. Get this second license sorted. Run an orderly takeover process that gets fair value for this asset, um, that um, gets Abramovich out of the picture as quickly and as easily and with the least amount of legal risk as possible and just and just get the new guy, new gals, new company, new group, new syndicate in at Chelsea and away you go. That I think is probably plan A, B and C as well. You know, they're, they're, Yeah, easier said than done when Chelsea though yeah, yeah. is that asset which is 3.5 billion out of what his net worth is 12 billion. So you'd imagine he's going to have his day in court. It's that's the worry. Yeah, and I suppose from your contacts and dialogue with people on the inside, Matt. I mean, what can Chelsea fans expect over the coming months? Can we expect the likes of these leaders, such as Heather Check, Marina Granskaya, Emma Hayes, Thomas Tuchel, to stay on the ship, or is there a fear that these people will jump aboard? Good question, uh, and I think it's really hard to say with any like certainty at the moment because I think it just does depend on one how quickly uh, a sale a transfer of ownership could take place and then two who buys the club what they say what their ambition is what their you know just 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 what their message is to staff um I, you know I think if you're out of contract I think if you are somehow sort of non-core you know kind of periphery yeah I think I think yeah I think some of those people will go. I, I think it's. I think if you are very closely aligned to Abramovich, I think you're off. So I see absolutely no way, no way whatsoever, why Bruce Buck, uh, you know, survives this, or why I'd want to, or why, or why the next next people would want him. To be honest, I think Marina Kravitzka is a bit different because she has a really good reputation within the game. Um, ordinarily, let's just say this is an ordinary sales process. Crimea hadn't. Uh, Ukraine hadn't happened and Abramovich just decided to sell. If I was buying Chelsea, you'd want a little bit of continuity. You want a little bit of, um, you know, kind of kind of institutional wisdom. And you might keep on someone like Marina or Peter Cech. It's only for six months, maybe forever, right? If you really like them, but you certainly want to know a bit about the business. So you don't have, you know, no one, no one does a complete clear out and starts you know, like year zero and write new people in because, you know, you're going to waste a year while they learn learn the ropes. So um, it's a good question. I mean, look, certainly Thomas Tuchel, he's, his, his stake's really high and I think Chelsea fans love him. He's done a good job there. You, he would be an asset to me, keeping him, but, but it remains to be seen, you know, how, how long the process takes, you know, can you hold on to this, you know, talent because he is and, and, and other clubs will, will want him. And then when we get to the takeover, Matt, I mean, are there any developments regarding the front runners which we can expect in the race to buy Chelsea Football Club? Are we none the wiser? Well, it, I think it, I think it has changed. You know, I think the sanctioning changed things. I mean, there there was a sort of kind of pecking order. There was a sort of you got a sense of the field a few days ago, and I've written and I, you know, just what I'm hearing is that American money was. Was, was deemed to be an American owner, an American group was deemed to be the likely outcome. 
for a few reasons. Um, that's just where the direction of travel has been in the market for the last few years. Um, huge interest in the Premier League in, in North America now. Um, a lot of money there, a lot of kind of private equity money, and it's that's to do with low interest rates for years, the price of US sports franchises being high, the sense that there's some value in, in soccer, um, a kind of belief that that soccer is a real global game and there's you can monetize that in a way that maybe you can't with NFL that's sort of tapped out it's 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 it's, it's a saturated market um and that you know soccer's where it's at you just need we just need to think of the way of doing it um so those reasons are, are sort of were making me think America the fact that Abramovich is sanctioned now and there's going to be uh unease and reluctance about kind of entering into a situation where they might feel they're breaching sanctions or, or, or there's any sense that a sanctioned individual could benefit from this, I think really becomes problematic for institutions, for banks. And I think maybe for some of these big kind of private equity guys as well, they are, they don't like risk. They just don't. Um, which makes me think it's going to be someone very independently, you know, someone really rich, someone who can sort of take on personal risk and then you get into kind of a very sort of your list of potentials shrinks because it's a big number. And I don't care if you've got three, four billion. No one spends all their money on anything. Right? You don't you don't you don't put it all on. It's not like, no, that's not how these guys operate. You know, they, you, they would need a multiple of the number to take on to be comfortable with this much risk. And, you know, so your list gets your list gets ever shorter. So I, I don't have. A firm favourite. I mean, I, I I have said and written elsewhere that, I, that Todd Bewley, who owns the Dodge, you know, a stake of the Dodgers and the Lakers, and he's made a lot of money. He's a very shrewd investor, loves sport, bit of an anglophile. He studied in London. He's tried to buy Chelsea before. He's had a look at Tottenham. He ticked a lot of boxes for me. His partner in this is a Swiss billionaire called um, uh, Vice. Um, he's already he came out in public about. 10 days ago. And he said again, yesterday, we're still interested. So look, you know, that, that, that to me is about the best name out there in terms of being credible and being publicly interested. But there, look, whenever these things happen, it tends to get bought by the, some, by the person you haven't heard from, by the last person standing, by the person who's being private. And, you know, I know there's a lot of that going on. So who knows, right? Yeah. And I think, it's fair to say that this is the very least of everyone's worries with what's happening in the world at the moment. But to zoom out for the last question, Matt, and if we're to look at the broader footballing model, is there any hope that this current situation with Chelsea, that it can bring about change among the broader landscape and league clubs operate? Should, in fact, some Premier League ownership groups tonight be looking, in, be looking over their shoulders? Well, it's a great question, and it's it's definitely one that's being discussed and talked about. And I is that's a, I can see the Sunday papers being full of that kind of piece. Um, is this a reckoning? Is this, you know, the, the the a time for English football, British society, really, maybe Western society, to have a real think about sources of wealth, sources of income, the sort of people we do business with. Have we been too open and welcoming to wealthy people from? controversial places should we have asked questions earlier i think these are all great questions is football going to answer them sorry to say i don't think so i think it, i think it's going to maybe you know 
kick the ball around a bit and 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 and, and say that it it's going to try to do things differently. We already had that off the back of the real saga around the Stardy takeover of Newcastle. And it, you know, obviously asked fresh questions over Abramovich and, and, and Manchester City and, and to a lesser extent Qatar and PhD because they're, you know, not our country. But, you know, it did ask questions about soft power and what these people are bringing to the table and should we be comfortable with that? Because what happens if it goes wrong? What happens if one of these states falls out with everybody else and does something awful like invade its neighbour? Where does that leave the football team then? So true. Sorry to interrupt, Matt. But yeah. one thing which I want to bring up as well, and I don't think the rebuttal or the retaliation which we've seen this evening from the Premier League either should be closing down 22 accounts from Russian fantasy Premier League users. Oh, I didn't even see that. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, that all right. Well, look, yeah, that sort of stuff just seems um. Well, it seems trivial, doesn't it, really, frankly? Um, but uh, I don't really know what to say about that. When you look at the bigger picture, you know, you look at the, the appalling pictures we're seeing from Ukraine and, um, you know, this whole conversation around Abramovich and at one end and, you know, banning Russians from fantasy Premier League at the other is the West's attempt to do something meaningful when it's saying we're not going to fight. So it is saying, Ukraine, we stand with you up to a certain point. What we have chosen to do or what we feel is the limit of our involvement is we'll, you know, we'll try and send you money. We'll try and send you arms. We're not going to, we're not going to put boots on the ground. Um, we're going to, we're going to take out Russia. We're going to, we're going to isolate them. We're going to damage their economy. Uh, and, you know, from that weird things will flow like, a Premier League football team effectively being put in administration, you know, for want of a better phrase, and Russian players of fantasy Premier League being kicked out of the game. You know, unintended consequences, weird consequences of, of the bigger decision that our method of supporting Ukraine is to isolate and ostracise and damage Russia's economy. Yeah, I think for today, Matt, we'll have to leave it there. But all things considered, it's a sobering conversation. It's one which I believe we won't see the end of for a while. And I don't believe it's just going to affect Chelsea and their front door. It's going to affect countless other clubs, institutions. And I think that's for a podcast and a platform bigger than my own. One which is not limited to, I suppose, their mutual love, blind love at times for the game of football. Indeed. Well, lovely talking to you, Con. I'm sorry it wasn't a, a happier topic. <laughs>